Hello, hello, this is Dr. Jason Lee, clinical immunologist and allergist, season three, episode nine of my podcast. I haven't podcasted in a while because things have been pretty busy, and I'm podcasting from my vacation because I felt that there was a compelling need to speak on COVID-19, particularly uh, as it pertains to the patients that I take care of. I'm a severe asthma specialist, and I see a lot of patients who have severe uncontrolled asthma who are on biologic medications such as omalizumab and anti-IL-5 agents such as mepolizumab and benralizumab. So I will speak to coronavirus and coronavirus, um, in case you didn't know, this isn't something new that people are kind of just discovering. Coronaviruses are a family of viruses that are known to cause respiratory infections and we know that uh, common colds, there's about four to six of these strains that cause common colds. So they have names like OC43, 229E, HKU1, so on and so forth. The other coronaviruses that are more famous are the ones that caused uh, the first SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome in 2003 and the Middle uh, Middle East Respiratory uh, Syndrome called MERS in 2012. These are kind of new coronaviruses that emerged out of nowhere. Uh, it's still unclear where they originated from, but every now and then within this family of viruses, a new strain will emerge. And this could really be any uh, family of viruses, a new strain could emerge, which is what we call more pathogenic or more likely to cause disease and more likely to cause uh, lethal uh, uh, disease in patients. So what do I know about uh, COVID-19? Well, COVID-19 was the name given to the new SARS uh, coronavirus 2, or we call uh, SARS-CoV-2, or COVID-19 for short, because it was discovered in 2019. Well, we know that this uh, is a little bit more lethal than other coronaviruses, like the uh, common cold ones generally do not kill patients. So who is at risk? Well, it's usually the patients who are elderly. As we get older, we have declining immune systems and patients who have underlying conditions. This can be something as simple as high blood pressure or other respiratory disease or chronic kidney disease. So this is Um, numbers coming out of the World Health Organization, the Chinese health authorities, uh, as well as other places that where I have uh, studied this, such as in South Korea, the case fatality rate or the number of patients that die from contracting the condition uh, ranges anywhere from 0.5 or 0.6 in South Korea to 3.4, which is what the WHO figures show. Now, this number is hard to derive because it really depends on a numerator and denominator. So numerator is how many people die. Denominators are uh, denotes how many people are actually infected. Well, if we don't test patients on a mass scale, we don't really know how many people are actually infected. So that's why this number is very, very difficult to ascertain. Now, in South Korea, I believe the numbers are more accurate because they did uh, very uh, quick mass screening and mass testing of patients, they're able to do uh, tens of thousands of tests very quickly. And as such, we have a very accurate number of 0.6%. Now, just to give you some perspective, the seasonal flu is a case fatality rate roughly about 0.5. Again, we don't know the true denominator for this number either, but that's our best guess. So 
net worst, it's a lot more uh, about you know 3.4% divided by 0.6 uh, or 0.5, whatever that works out to more uh, you know deadly than the uh, seasonal flu, or at best it's about the same. Now, what makes everyone afraid is that this is new and that, you know, there is no known vaccination for this um, virus. So vaccines are in the works, but we don't know for sure uh, when they'll be coming out. The other thing that makes this scary is that um, there are no uh, known proven effective antiviral mechanisms or uh, medications that can combat this. So, for example, uh, some flu strains have... uh, some uh, beneficial effects of, of taking uh, Tamiflu or an antiviral uh, quickly on the onset of the condition. Um, however, for this, uh, it seems like Tamiflu doesn't really work and other antiviral medications are being tried. And all sorts of other medications are being tried for this condition, including hydroxychloroquine, which is an anti-malarial medication, as well as HIV uh, antiviral medications that may have some activity. Now, other uh, medications such as biologics may be being tried as well. So, which brings me to my next point about uh, biologics. So, a lot of my patients are emailing or calling in, wondering whether or not to hold their asthma biologics. So, we know that asthma is a risk factor for death from this condition. And of course, severe asthma makes you more susceptible to um, all sorts of complications from respiratory infections. So this is what I would urge my patients. Please continue to take your uh, asthma biologics. These are not global immunosuppressants. So a lot of uh, physicians and other specialties have been making broad, generalizing, sweeping comments, such as you should hold all your biologics because they can suppress your immune system and blunt your immune response. Well, this may not be the case in asthma. In fact, controlling asthma may be the most protective thing you can do in terms of getting um, uh, through a COVID-19 infection. So a great example where there is evidence for this is that Novartis, with, uh, in conjunction with the uh, um, other health authorities, uh, such as NIH, they have done studies on uh, antivirus uh, fighting power of omolizumab. So if you look at almost all the uh, asthma biologics, they list on their monographs that there is an increased risk of infection. Um, this is not actually true. Uh, these are severe asthma patient studies. And to have severe asthma, you're already at increased risk of infection. So when you look at often the actual original studies, the treatment arm, the patients who got the actual drug of the biologic, often have the same or less uh, infection rates as the placebo arm. So those are the patients who did not receive the uh, actual injection. So controlling asthma uh, should actually lower your complications of getting um, complications from infections. Moreover, um, we know that with... uh, the omolizumab uh, medication, that's the anti-IgE, or otherwise known as Zoller, that actually is in effect able to help you clear and improve your Im- immune system's virus-fighting power to certain uh, respiratory viruses. So please do not hold your biologic or stop taking your biologic because out, out of this fear. Um, that's what I wanted to say on this. So please uh, make sure your asthma continues to be controlled. If you're on a biologic, please continue to take the biologic. Hopefully this whole um, virus does, uh, you know, get better or we develop a vaccine. Now, you know, uh, for those that know me, they know I'm not a Trump fan, but 
here's the thing. Um, what he says about the virus may be uh, declining with warmer climates may actually be true, although we are seeing cases in Australia where they are currently in their summer. Um, why can this be true? Well, in the summer, if the transmission is droplet, uh, there's often more humidity and the uh, warmth uh, does make respiratory droplets uh, uh, less easier to transmit from person to person. Uh, but but you got to keep in mind that, you know, people also tend to spend more time outdoors uh, when the weather is warmer. So we don't know. Well, and the last question is uh, the question about masks. So for any of my severe asthma patients, I don't see any harm uh, in uh, advocating for the use of um, uh, N95 masks when you go outside. Um, you know, the only potential harm, I suppose, is that you're limiting supply from other uh, people, such as healthcare workers who are doing very high-risk procedures, such as intubation or, uh, you know, directly taking care of these patients. However, you know, having a respiratory uh, virus uh, with a, uh, you know, higher uh, case fatality rate or lethality, it may be prudent to just have that mask for a little bit extra protection and at least at the very least prevent you from touching your face uh, which is actually the most common way you transmit uh, some viruses like this and uh, there's an old study that looked at the transmissibility of different virus infections by touching your face the motion that is most linked to getting an infection is actually touching your eyes um, so try not to rub your eyes or touch your eyes with your fingers and that's what I wanted to say, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast.